Hey everybody, welcome to my YouTube channel. I'm Dr. Angel Storm and I am joined tonight with a very special guest. Justin Williams is here to talk to us about overcoming trials in life, how to find God, how to lean on your faith, and more specifically, we're gonna be talking about his book. Um, it's called In the Eyes of the Father and um, and it was just such a a pleasure to be able to read this and I'm really excited to have him come come on tonight and share his perspective on a lot of things that he has been through um, so Justin just thank you so much first of all for being here tonight for taking the time to come to my audience and um, share with us everything that you that you have been through and just being so open and authentic with your experiences thank you so much for having me it's it's truly an honor Dr. Storm to be on your show. Um, you know, we, we've known each other for a solid year now. I, yeah. we, we collaborated before and yes. um, it's, it's, I love to see how far you've come and, and everything you're doing and it's, it's just beautiful. And for me to be a part of this tonight is, is just, it's, it's amazing. Thank you so much. Hey, absolutely. I mean, you honestly have so much value to to add and to bring to the world. Obviously, you have your own platforms in which you do that, but I really appreciate you taking the time to do that um, uh, on this channel, which you know specializes in narcissistic abuse recovery, of course, uh, which we're going to get into. But but first of all, I'd I'd like to actually just start out with your book. First of all, the 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 moment that I picked up the book, what I loved about it was the very first sentence. I hate the indifferent. I love yes. that. Uh, uh, and and the next sentence, of course, says that I believe li living means to be taking sides. And uh, and I man, I I just was like, this is someone speaking my language, right? This is this is exactly right. One of the things I think that for for narcissistic abuse victims, at least, is that people don't understand that your your silence is uh, consent to what's happening, right? It is allowing this to continue on. And uh, and so I think that we, we do. We have to understand that to live means that we have to take choices. We have to make hard stances and we have to stand behind what we say we believe in, uh, even when it's difficult, right? Even when uh, there's right. a lot of pressure to not do that. So for you, why did you choose to why did you choose to include this as the as the very first part of the book? Why why for you this uh, this passage? Well, that passage is important to me, and I chose to include it because it resonates with my history, with my soul, with my spirit. As you read the book, you realize I went through a rebirth over the last few years here, but I was entertaining this spiritual journey my entire life mm -hmm. and i come to realize that because of the way i was raised by my father who was a very strict strong disciplinarian uh mm -hmm. military man also an alcoholic he programmed me in a way that shut me down and i knew only one thing all my life like i'm supposed to be this way i'm supposed to do this i'm supposed to do that and that type of programming and control really held me back and caused me to become this introverted man, um, child, and then later on a man as I became an adult. So that, that beginning of the book is my way of letting the audience know, the reader know, that I have pushed through the programming and went through the spiritual rebirth 
And now here I am on the other side of that, stepping into my purpose. And not only that, but most importantly, giving back to others in the process. Mm, that's really powerful and uh, and quite an example of of what is possible when you know we choose to make a cho- when we tr- choose to truly take authority or take a dominion over our lives and start living it on our own terms as opposed to what somebody else told us is the blueprint that we need to be following. Uh, right. And and yeah, and that was that was obvious uh, uh, throughout the book that that was the uh, the journey that you have been on consciously taking, uh, which I think is another huge part of of the uh, of the puzzle there, right? Because a lot of people think, um, okay, I see what not to do, I'll just not do that. But right. not realizing that your non-conscious has already been programmed, that no matter what you think you're going to do, it's it, you're, you're actually going to live out that exact same blueprint unless you are very conscious about why do I believe this? Why am I behaving this way? Why do I think this way? And, and, and uprooting those belief systems consciously. So uh, very powerful. Um, one of the, in the book, you... Um, you don't hold back from sharing your experiences uh, graphically. You're open about what what was happening in your household as a child, and also about how you were feeling as you were an adult, looking back now on those experiences. Um, I wonder what it was like for you to relive those experiences. Do you feel that when you wrote this book, uh, uh, you were you were a child experiencing these things again or were you more like an observer like this was happening to somebody else and now you're just writing the narrative what was it like to write it that's a great question you know it was a little bit of both but more so of the observer (laughs) i definitely did creep into those moments where i was the child and reliving it but i also think that well i should say also know that that was very healthy as well because writing this book was a ther- was very therapeutic for me extremely therapeutic see i even though i went through everything that i experienced with my father i still love my father i never stopped mm-hmm. loving him you know i was still i was he, he was always this strong person who i looked up to now the abuse both physical and psychological were were obviously very challenging, but I always loved my father. And I was always told by my family members as well that you have a great dad, you have a great dad. Mm. And so as I became older, you know, I, I really didn't think about it, you know, cause I was with him, you know, we during high school, he wasn't in my life, but then after high school, he kind of came back around a bit. And I spent a, a lot of time with him the last, last uh, few years of his life, but I didn't know Dr. Storm, that I had some things that I had to work through, some healing that I needed during that time. It wasn't until my wife told me one day, and I'll never forget, we were, this is when I lived in San Diego and we went up to LA to visit my brother and we were driving back and she said, you know, your father, he really wasn't a great father. And at first I was a little shocked, right? Like, what do you, what do you mean he wasn't a great father? That's, that's my dad. Cause you know, he did a lot, a lot for me, you know? The abuse was there, but he he actually, as weird as it may sound, he, he taught me how to love. He he taught me how to be responsible and be disciplined as well. But the thing about him, he wore this Dr. and Jekyll mask, right? He could be the nicest, the coolest guy, most well-liked guy in the room. 
but then there was that other side of him as well. And he had the other side because he himself had not went through a lot of healing because he had some experiences in his youth and his, his adulthood um, that, that he never recovered from. But going back to my story, my wife told me, and then I, I kind of started to digest that, that, okay, why is it that he, A, is not a good father, was not a good father? And then I start to think about why I am the way I am in that moment, right? You know, why do I have problems setting boundaries with people? Why do I, um, you know, dis display or exhibit uh, people pleaser characteristics? Uh, mm -hmm. Why do I have a problem saying no to people at times? And so this was a process I went through for several years. And then I came to realize at, at one point that it was because of the abuse I went through. And you said it a few minutes ago. One of the things you said a few minutes ago, you said that people know what they need to do, but they say, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I come to learn that people do that. And I did it as well is because it's they, they do and say that out of fear. People are very fearful to have to do that shadow work, to have to look in the mirror and say, OK, I have issues that I need to need to resolve. And it's, it's very hard to do, very challenging. But, uh, you know, once a person gets to the place where they are able to control fear and not let fear control them, and then that's when the, their world changes and reality opens up and they, they then have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Mm, that's so good. You know, I, that's absolutely true. That's unfortunately something I see quite often uh, being a, co a coach um, who specializes in narcissistic abuse, which is that it's on one hand very clear to see hey, this person is the wrong, is in the wrong, right? They're doing something wrong. The blame of the of the wrongdoing, whatever abuse looks like in that situation lies on them, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And yet on the other hand, we have the person who was the recipient of that abuse, not knowing that they are living from a place of being abused and they're actually the one who needs to change because we can't influence, we can't control whether or not the abuser changes, you know, right. and you're going to live your entire life in this cycle of essentially what you were just saying, people pleaser. And later on in the book, you actually talk about how, you know, m there was other narcissists who end up coming into your life. Yes. And, yes. and, and that is very, uh, we, I see this all the time, right? The cycle will continue until you consciously break the cycle and decide that, you know, I'm off of that, I'm off of that Ferris wheel. I'm getting on, I'm doing something different. I'm creating something else. And uh, and so for you, obviously you, you, you were willing to go through and do all of that work. Um, what I also enjoyed about your story was not like, was not your approach to it as like, I've already dealt with that. When your wife says to you, hey, you know, your dad really wasn't a good dad. And actually I would, would like to just comment on that too, which is that when we say uh, a lot of times we'll have, we'll have this idea of like, hey, a good dad is somebody who does A, B, and C. And if they right. do A, B, and C, then anything else that they do, who cares? They're still a great dad. And we say this about spouses, about other things, right? Where we can have traits about the person. Like for you, you listed, my dad was, he, he taught me how to be responsible, how to show up on time, how to be disciplined, how to have self-discipline and, and, and take pride in, in what you were doing and, and so on and so forth. And so he can have a great trait like that. And yet the way that he shows it isn't great. 
all of the right. time, right? And and same thing with like a husband. Oh, he's a great husband. No, he's a great provider, right? He he's a good right. earner, but that doesn't mean he's a great husband if 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 there's uh, psychological abuse, there's emotional neglect, there's uh, physical uh, abuse, or or any type of trauma like that that's being inflicted purposefully. And so I like that you were able to separate that. Uh, but back to what I was saying originally, which is that your wife says to you, hey, you know what, that actually isn't true. And instead of saying like, I don't want to talk about it, or who cares, let's not even think about it, or I've already dealt with that, or that's just your opinion, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know because you didn't experience it. You actually were able to listen to what she was saying and kind of start thinking about how this belief, hey, my dad is a great dad, is affecting the way that you're moving forward now as a dad of your own, of course, at, at this point, you had, you, had, um, you had three children, I believe, at this point, right? Right. And um, and so you you're able to actually reflect and say like wow am I holding on to a false belief here and right. does this need to change is this actually serving me in the direction that I want to go with my life yeah very powerful great. yeah yeah absolutely and you know I thank God that I was able to you know receive what my wife said without blocking out or without combating that right and mm -hmm. it took no one else would have said that. And if anyone else would have said that, I should say, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have responded the way I did. Mm. I was able to respond the way I did because there is a, a layer of trust there with my wife. And I know, you know, that she is able to see things that I am unable to see at times, you know. And for her to say that and that trust being there, that layer of trust being there, I knew in my heart that that was something I had to examine. And subconsciously, even though I didn't think about it much, but subconsciously, I knew that I wasn't in my purpose. I wasn't who I was sent here to be, right? Mm -hmm. I, I knew it. There were these awkward moments I would have socially and, you know, it felt as if I was a, a prisoner in my own body. I wasn't free. I was really crying out spiritually for uh, uh, liberation and freedom, mm. you know, because I was, I was entrapped. You know, my father, as you said, he was a, a very strong disciplinarian and taught me all these great values and characteristics. But the delivery, the delivery of it, and many more things, mm -hmm. not what I needed at that time in my life. You know, I'm talking about a three, four, five-year-old boy all the way up to about seven, eight. And then uh, he was gone for a period. Then he was around when I was in high school from 11 to 13. And, you know, because of how he was raised and, and, and things he experienced in life, he expected this little four, five, six-year-old boy to be a man and to act like a man. Mm -hmm. You know, my father went into the military when he was 16, mm. you know, and things were much different back then. Mm -hmm. And he, he, he experienced a lot of racism. Um, he experienced people taking advantage of him because mm -hmm. of his age. It mm -hmm. was all things. And then when he got out of the service, that was that that was something that he had, this trauma, this energy that he built up in him that he never took care of. And that led to him having relationship issues with his father. And then uh, obviously his children and also my mother, his wife. Mm -hmm. and so he never received that healing. Mm -hmm. And there and therefore, me knowing that about my father and then experiencing what my wife said, that further triggered me to want to go deep. Because I always said to myself, I want to be a better father by far to my children than he was to me. I'll carry those good characteristics and traits on that he taught me, but I knew that I had to lead, lead with love. And so this transformation that I've gone through has enabled me to do that. And it's, it's just so important. Um, that people know that, you know, 
making a transformation or having a rebirth in life is never easy. It's fearful. It, it, it's one of the hardest things that you will ever do in life, but it's so, so worth it. So if, if, if people long for that, that freedom, that joy, that liberation, it's it's there on the other other side of fear, as, as we always say, mm. you know, so. That's so good, Justin. You know, that, that that exact principle is something that I really try to get across to my audience is that, hey, your, your healing that you initially did, that's awesome, that's great. But guarantee you there are layers because there's there has to be a certain level of self-protection that you've built up in these types of environments that uh, that now need to be told it's safe now, you know, to have that layer get shed and for who you truly are authentically inside to not only you meet that person uh, first, but then express that person, you know, in the environment that you're operating in. And so that is that it, it's just spot on. It shows because this was quite a quite a while after uh, you you you're an adult now, right? You were an adult. You had your own children, so it was quite a while after you had initially experienced uh, uh, the abuse by your father that you actually start recognizing, and you were you were conscious, at least when you were. It appears that way that you were conscious that you were abused as a child when you were writing this book, and yet when it comes to actually examining. Uh, did I actually heal from it? You were willing to still do another layer and another layer of healing. And progressively, that's what you speak about, you know, as you write the book. Um, it's just so necessary, right? Because there has to be all of these different versions of yourself that you you think, essentially, hey, thank you. I know yeah. that you had to exist in order to protect me in that moment. And now I'm okay with letting you go so that I can get to the next one and the next one. Does that that's sound right. accurate? Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, uh, one thing that my father did he, was he took my creativity away from me. You know, he was very controlling. A child mm -hmm. is to be seen and not heard. So he also took my voice away from me. He mm -hmm. took my ability to speak for myself. He took my ability to stand up for myself. He took the ability that I had to communicate with the world. And so as I went along through this healing journey, as you talked, as you said, Dr. Storm, you go through those different layers and you say, OK, I'm, I, I'm doing better with this. And then there's this and there's there's this. You know, I've learned in order to do that, that takes a, a level of creativity because you have to know and, and be led by the spirit in regards to how to navigate through all that. Mm. And so, you know, without being able to do that, um, you're, 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 you're stuck, which I was for many years. Mm. But then I decided, I decided to then go through this, this healing journey, this healing process. And then I, I learned, hey, I, there, there's somebody in here that, that I'm not familiar with, right? Yeah. I always knew that, that inner child, that scared inner child in there. But now this this other person starts to come out. This this man with this creativity, this man with this voice, this man with this this high vibrational energy that that has found his purpose and, and then can, can step out and, and help the world and, and, and help others that have had similar experiences. Mm. And so, you know, with realizing all of this, you know, it makes me feel good that, hey, I went through that, as weird as that may sound, you know. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Weird. But, you know, when you think about the story of Christ in, in the Bible, you know, there, there's a sacrifice, mm -hmm. you know, in order for something to come, come new, come clean, a rebirth, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't want people to get me on saying I was a sacrifice, but I, I had to sacrifice having what I thought at one time was an ideal childhood, because mm. if it would have been a different way, I wouldn't be where I am now. Mm. And if I wasn't where I am now, I wouldn't be able to help the people I help in my life mm. because that journey has bought experience. 
that no other life I could have lived would have taught me. So it is all divine. You oh. know, it is divine. Absolutely. You know? That's so powerful. I, I have a, a video. It's one of my favorite videos that I've done on my channel. And I, I it's called I'm Thankful for the Narcissist. And I get so many mm -hmm. comments on the video. Um, like, how could you be thankful for it? I don't mean in a, you know, somehow masochistic way that, you know, I'm grateful for the, you know, abuse and abusers and things like that. That's ridiculous. What I'm thankful for is that without that experience, I know for a fact I'd be a completely different person. I would not be doing this for sure. I definitely would not. And uh, and of course, the, the hundreds of people that I've directly connected with, thousands of people, same with you, right? These are all people that wouldn't have have the uh, have somebody to pull on for information, guidance, healing, knowledge, all of those things that are essential to uh, expose, first of all, this this thing that we call narcissism. And number two, of course, heal those families. You know, these are these are people that that need belonging and reassurance and uh, and to know that they have purpose too. And I think what what's great about both of our stories, while different, one of the things that we both we both agree on and have both done ourselves is like, hey, you you get to write the end of the story, right? The narcissist may have been able to write something that started your story or you feel like you started over in your story or something like that, but you're the author of the end of it, right? You that's, get to determine how it goes at the end. That's right. That's right. You are the author of your existence and you, mm -hmm. you said you get to write the story. You get to determine how, how it ends. Mm -hmm. it, it can be... A, it can be B, it can be mm. C, mm -hmm. but it, it's up to you. It's yeah. up to you. Yeah. And if we are through that healing process and, and find this new person in, within, then, hey, we know we're going to make the right choice, right? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I'm, a that's big, right. I'm a big believer in energy and how energies attract, mm -hmm. right? And energies deflect as well. But if you align with a certain energy, right? And that, that's you telling the Most High Father that, hey, I, I get it now. I'm, I'm ready to make it happen. It, mm. And then it's you take two steps and then the father grabs your arm and he pulls you about 10 steps. Yes. Yeah, I got you. And then you take That's it. four steps and he'll peel you about <laughs> 15, 20 steps. And you keep doing that, right? And then you look up and you go, wow, look mm. where I've come from. Look where I've come. Look where I'm at. Mm. And you don't want to look back to where you were, but you know where you were at one time. Yep. Yes, because you know, looking back and you don't want to lose your focus, but you just keep keep going and mm -hmm. keep going. It, it's it, we're all aligned. And, and you, I love what you said a few minutes ago in, in regards to helping helping people. You both you and I are, are, are now in in this this place in our lives where we're helping people and you're making a difference and helping change families. And, you know, yeah. it, that's that is just beautiful. That is that is beautiful, and and because the truth is we're all connected. As yes. you read in the book, I I I went for a three day ceremony, ayahuasca ceremony, mm. and that was one of the lessons I've learned is that we're all connected. We really really are, you know. We're we're all connected. So when I hurt, you hurt. When you hurt, I hurt. You know, we, we have that human emotion, that feeling, that energy, you know, and it, it's, it's a reason for that. Mm, absolutely. Yes. Everything is interconnected. That's for sure. In the book, uh, switching gears just a little bit here in the book, um, you're talking about you're playing a game essentially at school where um, somebody takes a deep breath. They're hyperventilating. Yes. You know, the story I'm telling about t talking about. Okay. 
And he, let me read this this paragraph to you, and then I'd I'd love if you would be able to expound on it a little bit more for for the audience and and for me <laughs> personally too. Um, I held my breath as I was lifted, and it was as if suddenly I was surrounded by darkness, floating in a void. While before me, my life flowed as if by in the frames of a reel of film. It felt like I was out for hours, though I guess it was only for a, a, a minute. A memento mori, or a glimpse of the other side, whatever it was, I do not know, but it remained in my memory to this day. Yes, 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 yes. That That is me. That is my experience. And uh, that was something else, and I, I'm able to see it clear as day now. I, I remember that experience. And you were... 100%. Explain this experience to me. I, I think I, I mentioned to you offline that uh, NDEs are, are uh, near-death experiences are are very fascinating to me. I'm 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 a pursuer of reading people's books and uh, and things like that because it's just so fascinating how uh, a lot of them have the how how could people all different types of culture uh, gr- grown up in different religions different age groups, all that type of stuff. And yet they have very similar experiences, right? Fascinating. So um, to me anyway, uh, so so in this experience, you're watching your life on earth. You're out of your body or you're in your body, but observing it differently. Absolutely. You you, you said it spot on. Uh-huh. It was an out of body experience. And mm. at the time, I didn't know that. In fact, I didn't know that for many years until I started doing meditation and, and having these type of experiences mm-hmm. during my Mm-hmm. But yes, absolutely out of body experience. And I, it was, I, as they say, I saw the light, you know, it was light, it, mm. was, it was darkness, but then there was this light. And then I, then it's, it, it's like a movie reel, wow. right? And when I say I saw every scene, every second of my life, it was every scene, every second of my life. Mm. I saw it all. Wow. You know, I think I was about, uh, I think I was in middle school when that happened. Maybe, maybe elementary, right? Fifth, sixth grade, something around mm-hmm. that. I was young, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I saw from when I was a baby to, to me being wow. uh, two, three, four, five, six, seven years old. And it just, it was just went really fast. It was, went very fast, but I was able to see it all. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't miss it. And as, wow. and then I, I, you know, I was laying there on my mother's kitchen floor. And after that, went by it just was complete complete darkness and then i awakened you know and i just really felt out of it i felt very weird and i remember i then went into the other room and asked the the kids that i was playing with hey how long was i on the floor they're like just a few just a few seconds not long but it felt like i had a deep sleep about three four hours mm-hmm. you know it was, uh it was something else, and that and that was probably my very first experience uh, of the supernatural, yeah, phenomenon, if you will. Yeah, that was that was something else. So you, when you when you come back to yourself, you're on your mom's kitchen floor, and uh, and does anything shift for you in that moment? Do you go and revisit that memory often, or did you just kind of move it along? And as you're writing this book, you're like, oh yeah, that was an interesting experience. Well, I, I I did revisit it often for a mm-hmm. long while, yeah. You know, especially especially throughout my youth. But uh, I, I would still, and I still do. It still comes to mind from time to time. Wow, absolutely. From mm-hmm. time to time, it still comes to mind. I, I think about it because I, I do a lot of reflection in regards to um, experiences that I've had that have been life changing for me, and and that without without doubt comes comes to mind. That definitely pops up. Yeah, interesting, uh, fascinating. Um, 
another it, throughout the book you also talk about how uh, you know you're you're sharing your stories but you're also reflecting on how this story specifically that you're telling in in the moment shaped your life and made you uh, either make a choice or 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 think about something because you had that experience and one of the one of the phrases that you said you you said here, I thought it was God's will for me because my my counselor's neighbor was the admission advisor at the school. You're talking about getting into uh, a different school and getting into the Catholic school, right? And yeah. um, and even as a child, getting into you know this certain school, that it was God's will for you. R- was that really how you were thinking? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I tell wow. you about the story. I was a bad, and I mean bad as in great good football player in you know middle school and high school I, that was my thing i had i had three old, i have three older brothers they all played football um mm-hmm. uh, in, in college one did play a few years professionally and i'm wow. the youngest i'm the good baby of the family so i look up to them i want to be like my big bros you know and uh football was my thing you know start mm-hmm. playing it at a very young age and i just knew you know i, I found out i was like good in, in middle school once i hit high school i found out i was really really good and uh, <clears throat> that was forever my dream for a long time to to be a professional football player. Uh, but, you know, a, a, as you said, it wasn't it wasn't God's will. God mm-hmm. had another another path, another journey for yeah. me to take. And, uh, you know, I, I, I trust. And in fact, no, I know that the, the journey I'm on, the, 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 the journey I went down instead of football was was the best thing for me. I could only imagine what mm-hmm. life would have been like for me as a professional football player with yeah. a lot of money at 20, 21, 20, throughout my 20s, it would have been not good for me, so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and actually, later on in the in the book, you're talking about how, um, you know, your dad isn't around, you're getting into some trouble, and uh, you're actually making some choices that are, you know, impulsive, and they're ultimately life-shaping decisions. Yes. However, yeah. that all being said, it all always weaves back to to getting you back on your purpose. And yes. could you just share something about that? You know, looking back on that now, what you know, you lost opportunities by making yeah. these choices, and yet somehow your path always weaved back into the exact place that you should be. Could you share a little bit about? people right now who think that they've made too many bad choices or there's no hope of coming back or bringing it back into, you know, the, the perfect center of God's will, if you will, for their life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. Um, as I mentioned, I was this great football player and that was my plan. And obviously God had something better, something greater for me to do. Um, you know, when, when I was 19, my son was born, I was a, a very young father and uh, that was definitely life changing for me. And um, when my son turned five, he came to live with me full time. And I was a single father for many years. Um, As I said in the book, uh, being a young father at 19 um, was was a struggle. It was a challenge. But my son was my saving grace because 17, 18, 19 years old, I was, you know, um, living in in Michigan at the time, Metro Detroit, um, running the streets, as they say. You know, doing things that did not serve me in a positive manner, um, had a certain mindset as well about life, about self uh, that was not healthy. And when my son was born, the light bulb went off. You know, I, I, I said, wow, I've, I this is my, my creation. And 
I thought back on the type of father my dad was and, and, and I always had it in me that I wanted to be a great father when that time came. And so my son brought grounding, which was very necessary, necessary for me at the time to become more responsible. It, it's funny because a lot of those things that my father taught me, the good things, the being responsible and being disciplined, here I had a time in life where I had to begin using those. Like, I felt like, okay, this is serious. I have a kid now. So, um, he, you know, our journey was was <laughs> was great. You know, it, you know, just the joy and the uh, the the peace to a certain extent that that bought, even though it was kind of hectic and challenging at times. But see, that's what I needed, though, because at that time in my life, I was depressed. You know, I was depressed because, you know, high school, I was now done with high school. You know, I wasn't you know, doing, I want to be this football star. I want to go to college and pl to play football. My life was a true mess at 17, actually all through high school. Well, I would probably say 10th grade on. So it's what, about 15 on until my, to my late teens. And uh, yeah, he was born and that, that like, that lit a spark that lit something in me, you know, it, it really did. And it, it, you know, changed, obviously changed the course of my life forever. Uh, you know, and that, that was a hard time. And then when you talk about narcissists, you know, I, mm -hmm. I had people at the time that I had a, a very close family member tell me like, man, Justin, your life is over. You know, you have a kid mm -hmm. at 19, your life is over, you know, and mm -hmm. I, that took that to heart. Like, oh, my God, what are you, mm -hmm. <laughs> what are you talking about? How's my life over? You know, because mm -hmm. I was a young dad, you know, and, and other people did and said other things. But uh, I tell you what, I stayed strong. Um, I went through it. And uh you know, it served his purpose. It, you know, it, I, I come to learn that the father was planting seeds. That's what he was doing. He was planting seeds mm -hmm. to blossom at, in, in a in a later season. So, so in that moment, those were uh, those were seeds of kind of getting your life in the natural back on path, uh, mm -hmm. getting your 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 uh, priorities in order and your focus and that kind of thing. Absolutely. One of the other. Yeah, one of the other things that you talk about often in the book is kind of in the in the beginning or or different periods of your life. It's like you're on fire for God. You're going to church. You're reading your your word. You're in in prayer, and then you'd you'd get away from Him somehow. And then yeah. there'd be other periods where you, okay, now I'm back and I need to get back in this. And and so I wonder if you could also speak to that because I found I find that that uh that when you're away when you're away from god it can feel very burdensome it can feel like um like you're you're so guilt you feel so guilty about not uh continuing yeah. this discipline this practice that you know is healthy for you and and not even a discipline or a practice really a relationship right mm -hmm. that that this person has always been there for me and i kind of just blew them off right um so i wonder if you could talk to to uh to that about your own experience and then also what was it that would continuously draw you back? What can my audience take from uh, uh, hearing your story if they find themselves in this position now? What is what is something that would, you know, get rid of that guilt feeling that they're that they may be having right now and come back to God? Yeah, yeah, great question. So, you know, I was I was raised in the church. You know, I was one of those kids that went to church five, six, seven <laughs> times a week. You know. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, my mom, yeah, my mom was and still is a, a evangelist, licensed evangelist minister, and uh, 
you know, so from a very young age, you know, we, we were taught about God. We were taught about the Bible. That, that was, that was in the DNA of who I am, you know, and, uh, you know, I used to do a lot of praying and a lot of believing as a child and then as a young adult. Um, but then as I became older, you know, I, I got more involved in, as people would say, the old folk would say, involved in the world, you know, and uh, kind of kind of put God on the back burner, you know. But I, I would still think about the Father daily, right? I would mm-hmm. still say my prayers, not consistently, not every day, but I would still try to maintain some type of relationship with the Father. And as time went on, as you said, I went through these peaks and valleys with my relationship with God and in Christ and, you know, um, the, the biggest thing for me in regards to coming back uh, was knowing that regardless of how much I separated myself from the Father, just knowing that he still loves me because those times I had with him in prayer when I was on track was so intense mm-hmm. and so so high vibrational, this high energy. Um, and so and, and just knowing that God is real. And that, yeah. you know, so then I went through these these different dark moments in life. And when, when you feel like you don't know what to do, when you feel like you don't have anybody to talk to, I always knew that God was there because during the times that I was disciplined and reading my Bible and praying and going to church and such, I always had this this level of peace. Uh-huh. You know, it's like I tell people, yep. you know, you, you put on your armor, right? You put mm-hmm. on your arm and you deflect all that negative energy, all the toxicity that comes your way when you mm-hmm. step out your door every day. But um, in regards to uh, the guilt, uh, you know, I, I did have some guilt. The guilt wasn't too heavy, too strong on me, but it was it was definitely there. Um, now that I'm older and, and wiser and further along in my spiritual journey, um, I've, I've come to know that, you know, God loves me and he knows what I'm going to do. And regardless of of what you do or you don't do in regards to God, you know, he, he's still going to be there for you. Mm-hmm. He already knows how it's going to play out. You know, he, he, he wrote it. He wrote this, you That's know. Right. And, um, and and see, when you think, when I think like that, that just makes me fall even deeper in love. You know? Yeah. Yes. This, wow. You know, and I, I met me being a parent and you're, you're a parent as well. You know how you feel about your kids and you know, they, they can, you know, upset you and you can get disappointed with them at times, but you never stop loving them. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll never stop loving them. And, and the father's love for us is, I mean, I can't even compare it really. It's, mm-hmm. You can't, can't even compare it. But um, I, I do know that the father loves unconditionally, you know, mm-hmm. and when we have these feelings of, of, of guilt, that, that is fear-based. Yes. You know? Yeah. And we stay in that fear base. And unfortunately for a lot of people, um, religion causes that. And I'm not knocking anyone's religion or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I guess with my experience, you know, because of the programming, you know, I, I grew up with this fear thing when it came to God. But the thing is, I don't have anything to fear when it comes to God because God has me. And I know if if I put forth effort, you know, he, he again, he's going to pull me and everything is going to be OK. Like I tell people all the time, I feel closer to God now than than ever before in my life. You know, and it's, it's just a beautiful relationship I have with the father. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's so encouraging, too, where it's uh, exactly what you said. Like if you wouldn't if you wouldn't treat your child that way, then there's no way your maker would treat you that way. Right. If you wouldn't reject your child coming to you after you don't you don't 
hope like, oh, they didn't call me in three days. I hope they never call me again. No, you're anxiously waiting for them to call you on day four, day five, or whenever they they call. You don't care. You're you're not counting the time. You're not waiting to scold them or whatever for not calling you. You're just so thankful that they did. So I, I think that that's such a powerful way to think about it. And um, and ultimately, I think it's an opportunity to really examine the fear-based belief that is being held there, right? Because that that will forever skew whatever decision you're making, even if you think, oh, this isn't related. No, there's always going to be, it's always going to come up in decisions that you make, that fear. Right. Uh, right. So yeah, that's that's so good. Um, and and your your mom, you, you you mentioned your mom. You talk about your mom quite a bit in this book, and uh, and she seems to be kind of like no matter what's happening, your mom is still like doing her thing. She's like yeah. steady. Yeah. Do, like, yeah. is that true? Is that is that right, how she is? That is exactly who she is to this day. <laughs> oh you know, wow! Eighty one years old, you know, and wow. she is still just steady Eddie, as they say. She, no matter, and she's been through a lot, you yeah. know, she's been through two marriages. She, she lost a daughter. Um, oh. She's had some other life experiences. She, she actually got married when she was 16. Her, her dad had to sign off on her getting married. Wow. And uh, her, her first husband left her with four kids, you know, oh. um, at 18. And she put herself through college as wow. a single mom with four kids. And so she's the type of person, she just continuously goes, 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 goes. That's her thing. Mm. In fact, she got her, her PhD uh at 78 so it's about what three no it's a little longer than that oh uh, my five. yeah in divinity yeah she sure did she sure did so she's just this focused woman uh <laughs> because of her experiences going through what she <laughs> went through like at 16 and she's just so focused and, and committed and disciplined and she's steady eddie you know that's, that's who she is god bless her she and she travels she's out of town now <laughs> no way that is so inspiring. That is really such an incredible story. Uh, yeah. Wow, man, bless your mom for sure, absolutely. So one of the things that you um, you talked about, again, always mentioning how, hey, this is these were my plans, right? And there, there's a scripture that I love, and it says that man can plan his steps, but unless the Lord, you know, unless the Lord builds the house, it's all for naught, right? You can make all the plans you want, but unless God's the one who's putting the final check mark on, on the, in those plans. It doesn't matter what you are doing. And here you're talking about specifically like you're, you're want, really wanting to be a police officer and yes. you want to go be, uh, you want to go be a cop and you want to uh, go maybe potentially into like Homeland security or something like that. You, you want to be in the law enforcement and you try out and, 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 and then, and then it's kind of like subverted, right? Where it's like the last thing and you're about to get hired and then somebody else takes the position yeah 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 i was wanting to be an officer for many years i applied to several uh uh departments throughout the country because before we left michigan we you know we I, I tried to get jobs all across the country and then uh while i was still in michigan actually i applied to become a uh, criminal investigator for homeland security uh went through the entire phase background check physical fitness test uh, written tests, you know, they, they came out to my job, interviewed my job, my neighbors, everyone. And I was then given a date uh, to start to go down to the academy in, in Glencoe, Georgia. And uh, lo and behold, uh, a veteran sued the um, government saying that the hiring practices were unfair 
to veterans and anyone. And so Obama, what he did, he, he scrapped he scrapped the entire list of people that were waiting to uh, to 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 go down to training. So you know that was hard. That was hard. You know yeah. because I had been thrown down by uh, a few few police departments and then I was so close to getting a fed job and it, then it was just like I was right there and then it didn't go through and uh yeah that was that was that was dark for a minute but you know fast forward years later and how things have played out in this world yeah um look at look at who's in control the father was in control he he knows what's best right I mean I could not imagine being a police officer in yeah. this day and age right you know considering right. especially riots and everything that, that's going on mm. you know with everything, you know. Uh, yeah. So, I thank God. I thank God that didn't play out. <laughs> it's just one. It's it's just there's so many. What I love is that you remember like all of these times where it's like I tried to do this and man, I was so disappointed. But like, yeah. oh man, in four years or whatever, I'm looking back like, thank God I did not get that thing that I really, really, really wanted and I've been praying for. Right, exactly. And then I'm like, oh my God, what do I know? Wow. Yeah. I, mean, I, was <laughs> yeah. <too much. laughs> I mm -hmm. thought that was best for me to become an officer or become a fed, you know? I'm like, yeah. oh, cool, you know? But uh, yeah, yeah. The father had different plans. He said, Justin, no, that is not your journey. I have yeah. something else. For you. And I, I get it now. I get it. And I, I, I love it. And again, that's one of those things that you think back on and you just, you just think about God. And you say, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thankfully, he he knows it all, right? And he his plans for us are constantly good. Thoughts towards us constantly good, and right. even our disappointments, he's making it work out for good. And I think that level of trust, right? That level of faith is built only when you've been willing to go through a disappointment and get back up, and a disappointment and get back up. Because while you're getting back up, you might be now seeing how the first disappointment and in, in back you know, hindsight is actually working out, right? That, okay, that thing was actually a blessing, right? So it gives you more momentum to get back up quicker, right? The next time that you get a, a disappointed. Absolutely. And see, that's the thing is, 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 is believers, followers of Christ who having that relationship with the father. The truth is we don't lose. We don't. Yeah, that's it's, right. Exactly. It, it seem like a loss at some point. Mm. Then as long as you, you know, stay in the father and, and just keep some type of relationship with him, you know, it, it, it works out. Now, a lot of us, a lot of people in this world, obviously, are hurting and need healing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you, you, you have to, you just can't sit back and expect things to, to work out. Like I just mentioned, you got to, you got to put in, put in work. You got to put in energy, mm -hmm. you know, those output. So you mm -hmm. got to work on you. You got to, you know, come to some type of awareness and say, hey, you know, I need help. I'm not feeling this freedom and liberation that I know is my birthright what's going on mm. you know that's that's when someone needs to get in contact with you and help people work through these type of emotions and, and energies that they're dealing with right and as long as people take that step to heal and they they stay close to the father regardless of what you go through like you can go through anything mm -hmm. it's setting you up for something greater mm -hmm. and that's, that's the truth i've seen it so many times not only in my life but others as well you know, we cannot lose. We don't lose. And mm -hmm. That's a beautiful. That's love. You know, that's mm -hmm. love. Absolutely. Yes, that's so good. And and I, and I like the uh, I like the point where to me, at least, it's a lot easier of a burden when you recognize, hey, you're not the one in control. Right. 
what you think you were responsible for of like making sure that this was the outcome that that comes you know and that you you definitely get that outcome when you can let go of control and recognize hey that's not your responsibility your responsibility is actually just being obedient the outcome Mm -hmm. that's god's you know burden that's his responsibility uh it life becomes easier life becomes more enjoyable because you're you're stopped you stop drifting into somebody else's lane and you become yeah. more attached to your identity and your purpose and focused on that. That's so good. And it's, you know, life does become easier and it's almost like you're playing, you're playing with a cheat code, right? Where you have yeah, this thing that's right. that, you know, no matter what you go through, you already know what, what the outcome is going to be. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's unexpected. You may not know your next move, but mm-hmm. you know, what you need to do is listen to that voice within because that's the father within and and allow yourself to be guided to be navigated by that spirit right Mm -hmm. and this is something that i've come to know very very well over the last two years when i started doing meditation you know Mm -hmm. starting a meditation uh, along with my prayer i do a prayer for maybe 20 30 minutes each night and then i do a meditation maybe for 30 45 minutes or longer Mm -hmm. but that meditation really unlocked my ability or awareness i should say of the spirit speaking with me when mm. I just need to get quiet. So I go in my sacred space, which is my closet, and I, I cut off everything from the world. And I, I tell myself, this is my time with God. I'm not going to do my best not to think about anything else. I need mm. this quiet time with the Father tonight because I know the Father provides guidance. Reflect uh. how my day went after I get off work or before I go to bed at night. I say, Father, thank you for another day. I'm looking forward to the next. Show me, guide me along the way. I trust that you will take my hand and at times carry me through the chaos and confusion that I deal with in this world each and every day. So, um, and, and and then again, it just, things just come, things just come. And it's mm. it's a lot easier to deal with, as you said a few minutes ago. You know, that's so interesting that uh, that meditation is that important to you. It is to me as well. I've been meditating for for years, uh, I guess, since 2000 and um, 14. And uh, and I do meditation twice a day, 30 minutes each day. And it is it. I've said this before on this channel, but it is truly the number one thing. If I can tell you one thing to add and I'm a, I'm a gym junkie, too. So if I'm telling you to to do meditation as opposed to go to the gym, like if you have to do one thing, uh, you know that it's it's important. Um, truly, it's there's just nothing like it. I mean, man, I am way more I'm way more able to see things objectively um and and I think that's great for my personal life it makes me an excellent coach it makes me a a fantastic coach because I'm far more perceptive than what I would be if I was like you know frustrated over like the groceries got delivered late or whatever now I'm coming with my client now I'm bringing that energy like that never happens and um and I just think about all of the areas in my life personally where it's impacted uh situations every situation um man we all need to be living this way right the whole the whole world should be doing that um and and truly like nothing comes in my meditation time i don't see i will not ever see a client i don't care what kind of emergency it is nothing gets in inside that space because i know i know if i protect that time then whatever i'm supposed to be getting in that time is already there for me 
you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and all I have to do is show up. There you go. I love it. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that that you're so into meditation. That's that's amazing. That's great. I love uh, finding people who are who are serious about it. So one of the uh, other um, one of the other statements that you made in this book, uh, if if you uh, if you don't mind, I'll just read this paragraph. Call it a test of faith or whatever you like, but experiences like that one seem to have a way of calling into clarity all the patterns that one so rarely notices in daily life. When you are in need of an answer, of a sign, circumstances can demonstrate to you the simple truth that God has a plan, a story for you. Like a fictional character on the page or screen, you will play your part regardless, whatever it is meant to be. Bam. Bam. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what I t- what I love, I, I love so much about this, th- this paragraph, I guess what the, the angle that I wanted to come at it from is, is that if you're looking for a sign, right, because there's a lot of people who are like, I asked God for a sign, but they, you know, ignored all like God gave them 20 signs. It just wasn't the one that they were hoping to get. So they're like, no, that wasn't it. Oh, no, that's not the sign. Right. Uh-huh. What what happens when you actually start seeing those signs and start interacting with God at in terms of a relationship, not just like Ooh. oh I'm not I'm not I'm not I don't like that one right instead of a vending machine or whatever you might say, uh, right. instead what do, what happens when you actually start interacting with w- with believing that your prayers are going to get answered? Well, you know um, that that's a great question. You know the thing w- with me in my personal experience. I was at the point where I, I needed answers and I was I was seeking and looking for those signs. And I thought in that, okay, this is just gonna happen. God is gonna come in and answer these prayers for me. And it's I'll be like, yes, I'm gonna be happy. But that wasn't the case. And then came a point where those signs start started to come. And because of my past history with praying and things not going my way, I was a little skeptical, you know, at first. And, I, you know, I was like, hold on, you know, this is, is this really happening? Is it, is, is it all in my head? What, what's going on? And, you know, but then that's when I, I know I needed to trust, right? And that's when my, my upbringing kicked in and, and the trusting and, and hearing the preacher three, four, five times a, <laughs> a, a week in, in church. But that also called for me to become very vulnerable. Right. Mm-hmm. I had to become very vulnerable. I just and what I what I mean by that is when I would be in my closet and I would feel the spirit speaking and leading. This was all new to me. I had to be very vulnerable and just listen and, and let my guard down. Mm. Right? Let my guard down because I had trust issues. You know, I had trust issues, obviously, because of what I experienced with my father, this man I loved and trusted. Mm-hmm. He let me down. I come to learn that he let me down and, and dealing with different relationships as well throughout my, my, my 20s where um, I was let down and I, I built up this wall of, 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 of trust where I wasn't, of, of untrust, I should say, where I wasn't going to let anyone in. I was going to protect myself. So when the father stepped in and he said, okay, I have something for you. I'm about to take you along this journey, this path. And he made that pivot in my life a couple years ago. It called for me to be very vulnerable and say, okay, father, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to listen. These things that, that that would come to me during meditation or things that would come through me to me throughout the day instead of just saying, oh, that's me. I'm tripping or something. And then I learned to say, no, that's that's the spirit speaking, you know, and then I start acting on that mm. and then I would act on that. And then I would see the result. And I went through this pattern of 
information coming to me and, and being guided by the spirit and not trusting it went just like a tug of war match if you will with with me and the spirit and then i just had to become vulnerable you know and i said hey i'm just going to listen i'm going to trust and when i when i get a notion to do something i'm going to do it you know and in me right which then eventually learned led to me starting my podcast because remember just going back to my father you know, very controlling, took my voice away. I didn't know how to communicate. I was an introverted kid. I was an introverted man as well. So when the spirit spoke and said, hey, start a podcast. No, stop. no hold on. No way, man. No, hold on. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But the spirit got stronger. I had to be vulnerable. I had to trust. And I stepped forward in that. And and I put that energy into into it. And it, it's 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 what can I say? It's 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 doing well. You know, it's doing well. That's because I had to trust, though. I had to trust I had to be vulnerable. I had to be vulnerable. So I hope that kind of answers your question there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes, exactly. And and I think uh, I think this um, process that you were going through, that we all should be going through, of learning to trust when Holy Spirit is speaking to us, is that um, it's a process of becoming as well, right? There's a process of, of he's trying to pull out this higher version, this next version. Like, like I said at the beginning of this uh, interview, like that version that you had last year, last month, even yesterday, that was great. But who were you supposed to be showing up as today? Who's today's yeah. version? Because it's it, we should be con continuously uh, evolving into the purpose that uh, into the person that can walk out our purpose. So um, I love that, and I I think that that's uh, when people stop engaging in that process. That can sometimes also call cause a devolution in terms of their healing journey, right? Where they kind of plateau, and then without noticing it, they kind of just slide back down the mountain, so to speak, yes. right? And then they it it causes this frustration when they finally recognize like, hey, I'm not in the place that I want to be where it's like, okay, well, you have to do this. And then they're like, well, I already did that. I don't want to go back and do that work again, not realizing that, hey, we've lost some ground here, right? We have to go back and retake that territory. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, I love I love the way that you were putting that where it's like, no, I, it, it was more about me, right? It was more about me choosing to show up in like, oh, this uncomfortable, unfamiliar way that I've never yeah. done before. But hey, look, look what it got me, right? Like I, I sown and then I, I was, I'm reaping this now. Yes. Well said. So well said. That is the truth. Um, like you said, you know, it was me. It was me who put in that energy, who put in that time to, uh, to be vulnerable and to, to learn and to listen and, and to trust. And, uh, you know, again, just dealing with all those aspects of fear. You know, I, that that was like the biggest thing, just dealing with different aspects of fear, whether it be doubt, worry, mm -hmm. any of that. They're, they're mm -hmm. all fear based. Yes, and that's right. learning how to control fear and not let it control you is life changing. Mm -hmm. You know, for me personally, it was my aha moment or when the light bulb went off is when I learned that fear is a bully. And I tell you what, I'm not going to let anybody bully me, you know. Yeah. And then, then I also learned that fear fears as well. Fear fears not making you fear any longer. That's right. That's so good. That's so yeah. good. Yes, yes. But it, it was a process, you know, as you read in the book, you know, um, I think the first step in that was me going skydiving, you know. Oh, yes, 20, yes. Mm -hmm. you know? And that that was a that was the first step in that. And, um, 
you know, it's, it's been a process. And I just thank the father that um, along this journey of, of knowing how to deal with fear, um, I mean, because obviously fear comes. I'm not I'm not saying that I'm, you know, to the point, oh, no, fear doesn't bother me. Yeah, it bothers me. I just know how to control it and deal with mm-hmm. it better now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I love that because the more authentically you show up and the more used to showing up authentically you you are, you know, you get used to that, you form a new habit. And and so it becomes, okay, I know what to do in this situation versus somebody who is acting from a fear based motive is it has a habit going the other way right mm-hmm. to to not be showing up authentically to not be showing up uh uh in in their true identity and acting from a place of knowing their purpose and uh and all of that type of stuff so um you're, you're exactly right i like that i like saying that fear can fear and fear fears that i would show up authentically and use my voice yeah. and do all of that i tell yeah. you what the voice is something that is ward over more than anything else that's the whole point of narcissistic abuse is to make sure that everybody shuts up, never tells their story, never warns anybody else, never gets healed, never show up authentically, never show who you truly were meant to be. And, and, uh, and, and, uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, we were doing an interview and, and I said, um, you know, thieves don't break into empty houses. And that's because, uh, that's because there's a reason why fear wants to shut up your voice. You carry something powerful and yes. that needs to be released, and and fear is is trying to get you to believe that you are not valuable, right? That you're uh, that you're broken, that you're damaged, that you're stupid for putting up with the abuse, that you uh, are ignorant, and that you deserve it in some way, or or whatever other type of thing um, that that it's trying to speak to you, so that you believe it, so that you continuously repeat the pattern of never using your voice, right? Well said. That's that's exactly what fear does. Fear does not want you to step into your authentic, true self, mm-hmm. because it knows once you do that, you're going to affect somebody else, and that somebody else is going to affect somebody else, and then you get this train, this chain going around the world mm-hmm. where people fear, and, and and when you don't fear, that means you're vibrating high in love, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. World full of people not fearing or knowing how to control fear, vibrating high in love. I tell you what, that's going to push out a lot of negative, toxic chaos. In, in energy, you know, yes, some, some confusion energy that's been running rapid in this world for the last couple of years. That'll push all that out. So actually speaking about that, I, I, I do, I'm not a super, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty vocal. I'm not, a, I, I'm not explicitly vocal on my, on my YouTube channel because you of YouTube. Uh, but I actually do want to talk about that. I think it's so important that people, uh, we do have an opportunity to reflect on behaviors, on choices, on mindsets, on on decisions that we made uh, from from a perspective like hindsight being 2020, literally, right? right? <laughs> um, and and so when we think about that, what what could we do different as a as an individual, as a community, as a family, as a nation, as a global whole? Uh, next time something like this is trying to come up and cause fear, right? Because because I feel like there's people who are who are who have gone through this process who are already aware of manipulation and control, no matter what version it comes in, no matter what cloak it comes dressed as, they're not going to they see it for what it is, right? Like I can tell this a mile away, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that that's a great question. Um, so 
Yeah, 2020 was a was an interesting year on a lot of levels for a lot of people, mm. you know. Mm -hmm. And when we face something similar or worse, because in my opinion, we will, you know. Absolutely, um, yes. 2020 wasn't the thing, right? Right, right, right. It's a test run. The test run. You said it. Well said. I encourage people to think for themselves, to mm. take control and think for themselves. I think a lot of times uh, people have what I call analysis paralysis, where mm -hmm. they only look at the surface. Mm -hmm. But I challenge people to go deeper mm -hmm. and to investigate and to research, you know, um, with, with, with whatever in regards to whatever they're dealing with um, that comes about in this world. Um, I encourage people to, if you're not already, get spiritually healthy. You mm, know, and so good. Healthy. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. in order to have a the ability to navigate through the next event or whatever's coming, coming, you have to be spiritually healthy. Mm. You have to be very aware of what you're putting in your body. You mm. have to be getting rest. You have to exercise. Mm -hmm. You have to have balance in your life in order to be able to navigate and to prevent that analysis paralysis. I think a lot of people over the last couple of years have become more aware of who's on their side and who's not, or who's for them or who's not, whether that be uh, their, their local or federal government, whether that be friends or family, because as we know, there's been this divide, either you're on this side mm -hmm. or you're on this side, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, it's not even necessarily about picking a side, though. It's about being in a place of balance to allow yourself then to be led by the spirit and the spirit will never let you down. Being vulnerable and trusting and and then putting in your work like the research and such and then just being led to do what you know at that point is the best thing for you and your family. You know, that's, that's what it comes down to. But be very careful, though, because a lot of smoke and mirrors, uh -huh. um, a lot of chaos and confusion. I tell people all the time, nothing is as it seems. Nothing. I'm telling mm -hmm. you, nothing is as it seems. Mm -hmm. Things go so deep. Things are so twisted. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a big believer because of my experiences in, in energies, in um, different uh, spirits, both good and bad. Mm -hmm. um, I you know, it's spiritual warfare out here. Yeah. And the, the enemy is not going to make it obvious. You may think right. that you know something, but you're looking on surface, then you can dig very deep and still not even know. Mm. So um, really, it comes down to trusting yourself through the spirit. You know, that's that's what it comes down to. And I think or I should say, I know when people do that, um, they'll they, they can't fail. They, you know, and, and yeah. things. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. And this goes back to what you were talking about earlier, which is that giving yourself permission to show up authentically, which means being vulnerable. And what I have found uh, sometimes is true is that people would rather assume that everybody has their best interest in mind without right. doing any work to actually prove if is this person trustworthy? Right. Did they actually earn my trust or am I just going to, uh, okay, they seem nice. I'm going to just go along with it, right? Or or kind of a blind trust in in a position. Uh, we see a lot of spiritual abuse happening because of, because of that uh, kind right. of blind faith, so to speak, um, belief. Um, uh, so position and then, and then uh, the fear. It's really fear because it's fear of like, what am I actually going to find if I make this person prove 
to me that they that I can trust them, that they're trustworthy. Right. What exactly. am I actually going to find if I start questioning why that person, why this person is in this position and why I've allowed them that's that position of authority in my life or or whatever the grander whole might be. And uh, and this goes back to, again, cutting out the root of fear, right? Mm -hmm. Because because especially, you know, it was interesting the the pressure uh, on people to to get people to conform and uh however uh i was i was unwilling um i'm i'm i've shared this before i refuse to wear a mask not not, i would refuse to wear it i'm not doing it and and even when uh when i'd fly on the airplane i figured out that if you flew first class they didn't make you wear it look how it's about money right because peasants in the coach class obviously can't get it right science uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you know it's it's just like where where we have to it, it it has to come down to like i know who i am even when even when man the pressure though i tell you what right and and from people that you care about respect and love obviously uh too but but it, it does come down to you, you have one person to answer to at the end of the time right there you go there you go. You said it. And that's the thing, right? That pressure. You People are out here pressured to do this and to conform and do this. But like you, you know, I encourage people to stand in their truth. Mm. Don't just go along. Just don't accept what you're being told. It may be difficult. It may be challenging. It may be fearful. But I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, there is something in store for you on the other side of that. Mm. It may not be immediately. It may not be in three months, six months, but at some point, because you stood your ground, because you stood in your true, authentic self, your truth, and you were not led astray, mm. there's something for you. And that's that's which is God's gift, you know. Now, now, what that is, I don't know. Right. No, but it's a personal thing, and you'll mm-hmm. know it. You'll know as you go along. And you see and recognize how God works for you and opens up opportunities for you and protects you and guides you, you'll get it. You will then know it's 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 a it's a no fail journey. It's a no fail journey. You have to go through something to get something. What yeah. they say, what's the, the old saying, pressure makes diamonds, right? Mm. And, and there it is. But again, you have to be able to deal with and know how to control that fear. You know, mm-hmm. we've said times we said it several times you have to know how to control that fear and if one is able to do that and one is guided by the spirit and one is able to step into their purpose there's an abundance of love there and love can come in many forms for you you know yeah that's so good one of the things that i found too about the journey is that uh uh, yes, of course, absolutely. Our faith or our trust in God grows stronger as we go through and see mm-hmm. practical ways, right, of our, our faith like in action. Um, what the also is true, I, I view as you do, of very much like a relationship, like a person, right? To me, it's it, God is more real than people. And mm-hmm. so uh, and so I also found that this is all often a trust of, of me. You know God's trust in me, and yeah. and can can He trust you to do this or to say this or to be this person who is your authentic person when people are going to reject it and you already know that 
you know, that's going to be the outcome is that people reject right. who you truly are. But are you still willing to do that? Because again, you, you answer to an audience of one. That's right. So yeah, see, God will give you opportunities mm -hmm. to, to prove that trust to him. He'll put you in situations, mm -hmm. you know, and he puts you there because he knows that you're able to do it. Yeah. But will you do it? Mm -hmm. He leaves that up to us. Will you do it? And, you know, with all the love he carries, putting you in that situation, this goes back to what I said a minute ago. You go through it on the other side. Again, there's something there for you because God says, wow, I gave you this opportunity. I put you in a situation. You trusted me. And here you are. You, this is your reward. Mm -hmm. And that reward could be could be anything. It could be a new spouse. It could be uh, uh, children for someone that could never have children. Mm -hmm. It could be a new business for someone. Yes. It could be a new best friend. People out here are lonely. They need friends, mm -hmm. somebody to talk to. And they, it could be that, you know, it yeah. could be anything. But um, when God provides opportunity, he's, he, he, say, he says it's not going to be easy, but it's mm -hmm. definitely doable. Yes. Know? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's so good, Justin. I've really enjoyed this um, conversation. Before we close out, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we end? And then finally, um, before we do end, I would love it if you could uh, just kind of, if you had to leave the audience with one or two sentences, how would you sum up everything that, uh, that you not only wrote in your book, but that you embody, that you carry in your heart? Wow, that's a great Great question. You've had some phenomenal questions this evening. I love it. Very, very good. Very good. If if I had something that I would want the audience to know, a couple a couple sentences is, um, put yourself in a position of uncomfort. Mm. Put yourself in a position of uncomfort. Do something that makes you uncomfortable, and keep doing that something. But while you're doing it, tell yourself that I'm the best at this. That I can do it. Be your be your number one fan, your number one coach, because by doing that, that reprograms the mind. And then once you reprogram your mind, then you're, you're going through a rebirth. And then once you go through your rebirth, you step into your purpose. And once you step into your purpose, you impact the world. And then that also will allow you to open up to being creative. I encourage everyone to be creative. We are creators because mm -hmm. the creator lives within us. Mm -hmm. Okay. So be creative, whatever that is and whatever that means or whatever that looks like to you. Mm. OK, heal, get your healing if you need to be healed. Mm. That's, that's, that's that's really the, the, where you want to start, most importantly, you know, with, with that healing and and love. You know, I challenge everyone to tell somebody you love them, you know, no matter who it is. I think more people need to hear that today than ever before. Mm. You know, more people need to hear that. So I challenge I challenge people to do that. And uh, stay stay focused and disciplined, and uh, just just watch how the Father uses you. Wow, so powerful! Thank you so much for being on, Justin. I really appreciate it so much, and I know that you added so much value to my audience. And um, just as a final closing. Um, Justin's book, again, In the Eye of the Father, you can get it in the description of this video. The link is already there. I encourage you guys to go order it because it, I, what I found is so so helpful specifically for, I mean, the book can speak to anybody, of course, but what I found specifically helpful for people who are recovering from narcissistic abuse is that you're so authentic and vulnerable about your, it, it, this is your experience and I'm unashamed of it. 
right? Because because you're very secure in who it's turned you into. And um, and I just think it's really going to touch the hearts of, of people who have come through so many similar situations. Um, you know, maybe maybe at the at the moment you're feeling like you never even got a chance to uh, protect or defend or to learn who your true self was or or to protect your individuality or your future or something like that because you grew up in a home with somebody who was abusive and yet your story is is showing people that that's just simply not true everything is redeemable Yes. There's a new beginning always just around the corner for you if you're willing to participate with your journey, but take responsibility for it, you know, not just like, oh, we need to we need to focus on the abuser and try to change the abuser what they're on their own journey, you know, and that can be a hard uh kind of truth to come to right of of wow I gotta let that go and I need to really start putting all of that energy that I was focused on what they're doing or not doing and put that back onto me um and so anyway I really believe that this book will just touch so many people especially again people who are recovering from narcissistic abuse and uh and so I encourage you to go get the book again the link is already in the description of this video so you can order it there and uh follow Justin as well on Instagram Justin have you been like shadow band i all of a sudden like saw you pop up in my feed the other day but it's been i was like oh you're on still like where what happened <laughs> yeah i i post daily but yeah i'm, I'm shadow banned hard yeah they they've they they haven't shut me down but i'm i'm shadow banned hard yeah so okay I've okay a lot of people tell me that. yeah <laughs> okay okay interesting yeah yes uh so go follow him on instagram but then your podcast phenomenal podcast man during uh 2020 2021 you had so many good episodes it was such a, a blessing to me at least like here is somebody who is unafraid you know totally <laughs> totally still staying in your truth and I, I it was such a blessing to me personally and powerful uh platform that you've built there so go follow that as well again the link to that too is in the description uh, of the video already and with that thank you guys so much for joining tonight i hope that this has touched you share this video with somebody that needs to see it needs to have encouragement and i will see you in the next video